Let's turn our Bibles to Exodus chapter 20 one more time. And I'm going to read those verses again that we read this morning. I will tell you, this is a hard um, subject to cover, especially with children in here with what we're dealing with with the seventh commandment. But um, just pray for me. It's a lot of things that I want to get out where you can understand why it's there. Let's go ahead and stand and I'll read the first two verses. Then we'll jump down to verse number 12 and read through 17. And it says in the first two verses, Exodus chapter 20, And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which, thou, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. This is what he said before them. And then in, in verse number 12, it says, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land, which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. Let's pray. I'm going to ask Bernard to pray for us. Amen. You may be seated. As you look at this scripture, I want to I clarify a few things with it. And um, let's go like we've done before. First, two, uh, first four commandments are dealing with God. And then you've got the last six that are dealing with people and possessions. We talked about honoring your mother and father. That's a person. You've got to honor that. Killing, that's a person. Uh, adultery, that's a possession. And um, then you go, you shouldn't lie, you shouldn't steal, you shouldn't bear false witness, you shouldn't steal. All these things have to do with people and possessions. And so we're going to hit this one, and, and it, there's no way that when you talk about this that you can't talk about one person in the Bible. Because he's the one that everybody talks about, and we're going to go to what, what it says. I want you to turn in your Bibles um, to 2 Samuel chapter 11. But we're going to look at the story of David. And before we look at the story of David, I want to I point out a verse in the New Testament. We've got to talk about this man that's known as God, a man after God's own heart, although he did something wrong. And again, just keep me in your prayers. This is a, this is a tough thing to handle with kids in here. I want you to understand that. So as we look at this, I just want you to see this. In Acts chapter 13, verse 22, it says, And when he had removed him, it's talking about Saul, he, referring to God, raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse. And here's that little statement that you heard, a man after mine own heart. But what's interesting is we usually stop there, but there's something that said more about David afterwards. Even though this was written in book of Acts, it was written after what he had done, it says this about God. It says, which shall fulfill all my will. I hate to say this to you, but I think David is an example of what to do when you do wrong. And he went through this wrong area in his life and it was either going to make or break him. And I've known preachers, I've known people that I know of that have got into this, and it has messed their life up. If, if this church is going to survive, we have to have strong marriages. When I went to the, the church in, 
in, um, I don't know why I did this, but when I went to the church in North Carolina, when they interviewed me, they, they asked me some questions, and at the very end, I said, I just want to say one thing to you. And my wife, when I got done, said, I can't believe you said that. I looked at these people, and you've got to understand, before that, we had had a, an associate pastor mess up with a, a deacon's son that was married, and a, a associate pastor's wife with a deacon's son that was married. And um, I just went through all that, and I told the church, I said, listen, I said, I'll promise you I'll keep my hands off your wife. You keep your hands off my wife. And we, we say that lightly, but I'm telling you, that's a problem. And I, and I think of the situation with my wife where a man can get up and preach, Regina, and there'd be 50 or 60 people that he'd molested in the church. I just can't understand that. Get up there and then tell them to follow God's word. And he was hard-nosed right down in your face and stuff. And he, and he was sitting out there and over 50 people in that auditorium he had molested at one time. That's amazing to think about. And the church grew. I didn't ever understand that either. But as I look at this, here is a, here's a man after God's own heart, and, David, and God says this, which shall fulfill all my will. That's a pretty bold statement to make when we know what David did. Now, you know what? Your names were not written in a book and told what you've done wrong. But these men were, were men that were brought in front of us and we're supposed to learn from them. We can learn from many different things. I think of Jonah. You can learn from Jonah knowing that you need to do what God wants. And you better have a good attitude about it when it's all said and done. Have you ever read the book of Jonah, how it ends? You don't know how Jonah's life ends. He's complaining about a gourd. He's complaining about a piece of squash. And he's, he had the, one of the biggest revivals in the Old Testament. And so we look at this and we see that God is trying to teach us. He teaches us through David in this. And let's go to the story of where we see this, where it says, Thou shalt not commit adultery. Go to 2 Samuel chapter 11. And as we read this, I want you to see this. And in this verse says this, and you've got to watch the very end of this verse. It says, And it came to pass after the year was expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle says that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Amnon and besieged Rabbah. But, watch this, David tarried still at Jerusalem. Now, go back to the first part of that verse. He wasn't supposed to be there. He was not supposed to be there. And I've heard people blame Bathsheba. I don't blame Bathsheba. I think there's some things she could have done, precautionary things, but it was David, and it was that authority in her, in her life, and even to the fact of bypassing who Uriah was. And as you read this out, you find out that David's about ready to commit this, the, this, this commandment. He's going to break this commandment. It says in verse number 2, as we read through it, change, things are going to change from verse 1 to verse 5. It says, And it came to pass in the evening time that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. David sent and inquired about the woman, and one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Iliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Now, right when he says that to him, David knows who Uriah is. Uriah was one of his mighty warriors. He knew exactly who he was. And David was a person that knew the people around him. He says, There's, it's, it's Uriah's wife. And go to verse number 4. It says, And, and David sent messengers and took her. And she came in unto him, and he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanliness, and she returned unto her house. Now look at verse number five. His whole life is about to change right now. 
Even his writings are going to change after this. He says in verse number five, she says, and the woman conceived and sent and told David and said, I am with child. Now, there's some problems with this. There's some people involved that shouldn't have been involved. Of course, David and Bathsheba, but you also have Joab that's involved. And there's a servant from Bathsheba that's went over and told David this. So they all know what's going on. There is no way to deny this. But what does he do when he breaks this commandment? And he knew what this commandment was. You see the character of Uriah in verse number 6. So then he's got, he's, he plans this scheme with Uriah. In verse number 6 he says, And David sent to Joab saying, Send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. Now what's interesting is I wonder what Joab thought of this whole thing. First of all, he says, who's that woman over there? And Joab says, it's, Uriah, it's Uriah's wife. And then later on, it's not very long before he says, send Uriah my way. I need to talk with him. And so he's going to try to cover all this up. This man after God's own heart. Go on and it keeps, it keeps saying, it says, um, and when Uriah was coming to him, David demanded of him how Joab did and how the people did, and how the war prospered. Now he's trying to make light of what's going on. And then it says in verse number 8, And David said to Uriah, Go down to thy house, and wash thy feet. And Uriah departed out of the king's house, and there followed him a mess of meat from the king. Now, at this point, when he sees Uriah leave, he thinks everything's going to be okay. Now I don't care what your sin is, you've got to proclaim it to the Lord and, 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 and go away from it. But at this point, he thinks he's covered all of his tracks with everybody, including Joab. And here he says, listen, go down there. But what he doesn't understand is how, what the character of Uriah is. Because Uriah knows that all of his buddies are out fighting, and he's not going to go in where his wife is. He's not going to go in there. He's not going to do this. Keep reading in this, in this, in this verse. It says, but Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his Lord, and went not down to his house. He didn't even go to his house. He slept where they were. Because he wasn't going to do what he, he felt like the other men couldn't do, he wasn't going to do. And then what does David do? He takes a little step further. And when they had told David, saying, Uriah went not down into his house, David said unto Uriah, Camest thou not from thy, from thy journey? Why then didst thou, not, didst thou not go down into thine house? And Uriah said unto David, The ark and Israel and Judah abide in tents. And my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are encamped in open fields. Shall I then go into my own house to eat and to drink and to lie with my wife? As thou, now watch this statement. As thou livest and as thou soul liveth, I will not do this thing. Man, you talk about character, Uriah's character in the Bible, and we don't know much about him, but we do know one thing. He was a man full of character. And he was not going to have someone go back to his company or his people he worked with and said, hey, he was out with his wife the whole time when you were battling. They couldn't say that about him. So that upsets David. How come we can see everyone else's sin sometimes, but we can't see our own? You know what you need to do in your life? You need to guard your heart. My wife teases me about this because I was asked to sing a song one time in a church. And I think the average age of the people in the church was almost 85 years old. And the one song I saw, sang was a song called Guard Your Heart. Steve Green sings it. 
And it talks about what you look at, what you put in your eyes, eyes and stuff. And she said, I can't believe that, that you would say, she was making fun of me because I was singing it to older people. And I was like, no, 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 no. It's for everyone. And I tried to justify it for me, but I thought that's the only song I knew at that point. But you know, we've still got to guard our heart no matter what age we are, Right? I'll tell you a story about what happened on Saturday, I don't know if you read it, in Arkansas. And we'll look at that in just a second. But as I look at this, I, I see, he, here's a man that has so much heart. And then it says, he, he, he goes in verse number 14, And it came to pass in the morning that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it to the hand of Uriah. Sent it by the hand of Uriah. Now he's giving Uriah the letter that's going to kill him. Now think about that. How would you like to deliver that? And you know what? He, he trusted Uriah so much that he knew Uriah would not what? Read it. Here again, his character is right there. And so here, he sends him off, and, and watch this. It says in the next verse, it says, And it came to pass when Joab observed the city that he assigned Uriah into a place where he knew that valiant men were. And the men of the city went out and fought with Joab, and there fell some of the people of the servants of David, and Uriah the Hittite died also. So David had an aspect of him dying there. Go to verse number, um, verse number 21. I think this is interesting how they end this. Thy servant Uriah the Hittite is dead. I wonder what David thought when he heard this, thy servant. He calls Uriah his servant. And, and the whole time, Joab kind of knows what's happened with this. And yet he still called his servant even after his death. Keep reading, and it says in verse number 24, And thy servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. He's got confirmation that he's dead. So now again, David's in the perspective of Brother Shoup that everything's okay. I've got it covered. Isn't that how sometimes we believe? But you know what? Sometimes you're going to have someone come in your life, and you know what his name's going to be? Nathan. <laughs> and when Nathan comes, you better listen to him. Because in the next chapter, follow along, you'll see a man come in. And it says, and the Lord sent Nathan unto David. Now, I also want to say this. Uriah was a man full of character. So was Nathan. Because watch what Nathan does. He comes in and he starts talking and he says, and he came unto him and said unto him, there were two men in one city, one rich and, one, and the other poor. The rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb, which he had bought and nourished up, and it grew up together with him and with his children. It did eat of his own meat and drank of his own cup, and lay in his bosom and was with him, was, was unto him as a daughter. Now that's pretty close to an animal, okay? He would drink, I don't know if you've ever had a relative, we, I know a relative in my family that would, would eat a candy bar, take a bite, and then let their dog bite it. And then they would eat the next one. Not, I'm, I'm just, it's not me, okay? I love dogs, but it wasn't me. There's, there's a limit to these things. Now, sis, he's telling this story, and David's just eating it up. He's like, wow, this guy really liked this lamb. And it says, and there came a traveler unto the rich man, and he spared to take of his own flock and of his own herd to dress from the wayfaring man that was coming to him, but took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was come to him. And we all know what he's doing. He's telling David the story of what he did with Bathsheba. And then in verse number five, it says, And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall what? 
surely die. Now he's pronounced judgment on this. Now, when he says that to Nathan, here's where you see Nathan's character. Because Nathan understands, you upset the king, you could die. He could kill him if he wanted to. And watch what Nathan does. With a bold sense, he says this, and Nathan said to David, thou art the man. Wow. I wonder what he thought after he said that. Can't take that back. But God was telling him what to say, right? And he was, he was illustrating to, to David that, you know what? You're going to have some problems with what you've done. You break commandments, you're going to have some problems. When you broke laws that your, your parents had set for you and you broke those, there was always something to be paid at the very end. Now, his payment was pretty, pretty bad. He said someone was going to die. But little did he know it was going to be that baby. Go to verse number 11. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will rise up evil against out of thy, at thee out of thine own house. Later on in, in verse number 13, And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Thank God he didn't turn around and try to push it off on something. We all make excuses. Well, it was this or it was that, and, and it wasn't my fault. It was a situation. He says, listen, I, I have not sinned against um, Uriah as much as I've sinned against God. Because he was a man of authority. And, and Nathan said unto, the Lord, said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy son, that thou, thou shalt not die. Howbeit, because of this deed that thou hast given great occasion, in verse number 14, to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. There's the death. This baby was going to die. And it's interesting what he's saying with this. He said, when you did this, you have caused people to blaspheme against Israel and against Israel's God. When this goes on in a church, it destroys churches. It does. It will destroy a church. Well, they said or they said, and I'm telling you, I've had to deal with it. My wife and I have had to deal with it with, with, with a small church. We had to deal with it. And it's nothing, it's not, it's not a fun experience. It's not something to go, hey, I want to do that again. You, you just got to understand, abide by the rules that God has set for you. If you truly believe God has someone for you, stay with that someone. I can, t I can pick on the shoops a little bit. They always are together. You never see them apart. You, I mean, the only time is breakfast. And I think she's at men's breakfast and she's probably sitting out in the car waiting for him. No, she's not. He's got her home cleaning, praise God. He's got her trained, amen? But as I look at it, they've told me that. They, they, don't, they don't go away from each other. You know, that's a great thing. That's a great testimony. But here, this guy, he's done everything wrong. And he's tried to cover it up after covering it up, after covering it up, after covering it up. He's done all these things. You're going to have a baby and the baby's going to die. Watch David's reaction in verse number 19. It says, but when David saw that his servants whispered, David perceived that the child was dead after he stayed up all night and prayed for this baby, even after God had told him what was going to happen. Therefore, David said unto his servant, is the child dead? And they said, he is dead. And David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself and changed his apparel and came into the house of the Lord and worshiped. Here's a man that at this point is showing his true character. You ever had a weak moment? And sometimes we just think, oh, this is just for the men. I'm telling you, it's for the ladies too. The old adage, it takes two to tango. 
And I wish I could show you the list I had when I hired a, a teacher at our, our, our last ministry of the questions I would ask boys and girls. Because I wanted them to understand what they do in your ministry or what you do in our ministry here can affect everything. We've got to be very careful when it says, thou shalt not commit adultery. It's not a suggestion. Now David was changed after this. He wrote everything was about restoration with God. You'll see him. You want to talk about restoring yourself? If you've got a problem, read David's Psalms and he'll tell you how to do it step by step. But when it comes to this sin, it is devastating. And sin will always take you farther than you want to go. Do you think God means what he says when he says, thou shalt not commit adultery? He absolutely does. I want you to look at the New Testament, because this is where it, it changes a little bit. The New Testament is just as we did this morning. Go to Matthew chapter 5, and you're going to see something in this. Matthew chapter 5. Here he breaks it down even further. We just talked about what he said about uh, murder, but then he changes his, his key in verse number 27. Verse number um, 21 through 26 deals with that aspect of murder. Now he's going to this next commandment. He's working his way through this, and the next commandment says this in verse number um, 27. Ye have heard that it was said of, old, of them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. Watch what he says. But I say unto you, and he's going to give you even more insight on this. He says, in this verse, he says, But I say unto you, but that whosoever looketh on a woman or lust after her hath committed adultery with, his, with her already in his heart. Aren't you thankful that God explains this to us? Aren't you thankful that the New Testament works great with the Old Testament? Then he says this, to take it a step further. It says in the next verse, it says, And if thy right hand offend thee, pluck it out. And cast it out and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. I want to tell you, if we were to meet David in, 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 the, in heaven, which we will eventually, I wonder what he would, if he would if you would ask him, would you rather have two eyes and do what you did, or one eye and not do what you did? I think he would tell you he'd rather have that one eye. Because that's all he talked about when it came to this situation. He was always about this restoration. He takes it a step further. Jesus says one more thing with it. He says, if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that the whole body should be cast into hell. So he's saying, listen, watch what you look at. Guard your heart through your eye gate. Okay, let's just hit this on another, another aspect. How many of you like trucks in here? I love trucks. Okay, how many of you like trucks? Raise your hand if you like trucks. If you like to have a new truck. All right, there's people in here who like to have a new truck. What makes you like a new truck? The smell? Hmm. It's the look, right? You don't, you don't look at a truck that's ugly and go, man, I wish I had a new truck. You're not going to look at my truck and say, I wish I had a new truck, okay? I'm going to look at a truck and say, I wish I had a new truck. It's in the way it looks. And then what's the next aspect? The buying the truck, your hands on the truck. And that's exactly what he's saying here with adultery. It comes in with your eyes, you think about it. Your eye gate will always, there's a verse that says, your eye affecteth your heart. 
And it always does that. And then it says your hands, you'll actually work at something. That's what it's talking about, adultery. It starts in your mind and works to your hands. David was in the wrong place at the wrong time. He saw something he shouldn't have saw. His mind, his eyes saw it, his mind said, I want it, and his hands grabbed it. Then what he tried to do, he used his, hand, his mind to try to cover it up, and then he used his hands to try to cover it up. We live in 2018, we live in a wicked world. I'm telling you that right now. And ladies, I'm telling you, I'm going to be very blunt with you. Ladies, if you understood how a man thinks, you'd watch what you do. If it took you five minutes to sit in a man's mind, you go, oh, oh okay, I'm going to change that. Let me kind of tell you some things real quick. We, we live in a world where advertising is all sexual. There's no other way to say it. Um, from beer commercials. And you know what? Whenever I see an alcoholic, I never think that he can play beach volleyball. I just can't think that. I think he could set a few beach balls on his stomach and they wouldn't roll off, but I don't think he's going to be playing beach volleyball. I mean, and then they even started doing this with food restaurants. It got to where Carl's Jr. is almost X-rated. And then, and then you look at some of these advertisements for cars and motorcycles and vehicles, and all it is is sexual innuendos. You, you go to Walmart, you, ladies, you don't even see it, but Walmart, they put advertisements up all around where the guys have to go pay their bills. I don't even look at them. Half, people don't have half their clothes on in those things. And it gets you to think, it's your eye gate. And you know what? My eye gate will affect my heart gate. And I want my heart to be right. And if you don't see this, I don't know what world you're living in. There's an industry, and I'm not even going to say the name of it, but they make 10 billion dollars a year. Billion, not million. They estimate, and I don't even like talking about this, but they estimate they make 600 videos a year. That's 1.7 a day. Do you know how much an average, if you take the 10 billion, divide it by 600, do you know how much money they make on one video? 17 million dollars. And you want to talk about your eye gate? And I wish I could do a survey and tell you what the survey says about how many people watch those. And it will devastate you. You say, well, it won't devastate me. Well, what if my, my husband's older? And well, that's the story I was talking about. In Arkansas on Saturday, how many of you read the story about a 69-year-old woman? Found out her husband was doing something. He's 65 years old. Told, her to, told him to stop it. He wouldn't stop it. She went in and got a pistol, shot him in the leg, and then shot him in the head. He died. She calls the police. She says, I just killed my husband. He's laying in the shed. They said, why did you kill him? Because he was watching things he shouldn't be watching. What was interesting, we got two police officers in here. What was said in the next statement, I understood what they said. They said that the police officers had never been to their house before. This was not somebody, because if you ask these police officers in here, there's people you go constantly back to their house. They use sometimes, I had, a, I had an EMT at my last church, that there would be people that would use the EMT to get to Walmart. Walmart was right by the hospital, and they'd say they were sick. They would take them in the hospital, wheel them over there, and they'd get out of the, out of the bed and walk over to Walmart. It's called a cheap taxi. But this lady killed her husband. She's in jail and she'll never get out. And she told exactly why. 
This is something you don't get over unless you ask for God's help. It's not something that's easy. It's something that's a moral issue. But I'm telling you, there's a reason why they make 17 million, because people are watching it. We can put our hand in the sand, head in the sand, or we can be righteous and moral. There's a preacher friend of mine that, that is no longer in ministry because of this. I know another preacher that was up in Canada. We had a missionary. Remember the missionary, the, what was their names? The, uh, I'm going to say their name. There's three letters. What? Buoys. I, I figured out where he was from. And I asked him about his situation in his home church. He comes from a church up in Canada. And they have a, they have a college. And the preacher was having an affair with multiple people in the, in the church. And he committed suicide and, ha- and told people where his body was. And I asked him, I said, how did you deal with it? He said, it's very interesting that you asked me that because I was a teenager and I felt totally, he said, I went wayward for a little bit because of what my preacher had done. So our sins, what we do, will affect others. We've got to guard our heart more than we've ever guarded our heart before because we live in a wicked world. Texting. Computers. They will ruin a, mar- a marriage and a ministry. I had a, my, my associate pastor came in one, one day and he was livid at my secretary. And what had happened is they, there, there was someone that found out what her name was and what his email was and they sent him a, an email. And she didn't do it. And he was like, oh, she sent me an email, open it up. It's like, wow. He had to shut it off. And he ran in there and started yelling at her. And I was like, what are you doing? And he said, well, she sent me something bad. I said, what are you talking about? He explained it to me. Someone else had done it. It wasn't even from her computer. My email used to be, watch this, Pastor W. Wagner at, at, at um, yahoo.com. Do you know why I don't have that email anymore? Because one time I got an email and it had like probably 100 people in a row. And some of these guys I knew and, and we all had one thing in common. We had the word pastor in our email. And it was one of those where you got to scroll all the way down, all the way down, all the way down, all the way down. When you got to the bottom, you're like, whoa, what was going on with that? Because they want to ruin you. They want to ruin me. They want us to make light of what's going on. And that's not what God ever did. What God intended for this, this, this um, sin that we're talking about, this commandment, if we would do what was right, we would never have to worry about it. You want me to show you how much God cares about character? Go to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, I want to read one verse. Matthew chapter 1. It's one of those chapters you read in your Bible and you go, oh, do I have to read all the way through this? You know what it is? It's the genealogies of Christ. But there's something that's very interesting in this. And I always point this out. Go to verse number 6. Here we go. And Jesse begat David, the king of David, and David the king begat Solomon. Now watch this. Of her, who's it referring to? Bathsheba, that had been the wife of Urias. God's concerned about character. He brings out Uriah, which we don't know much about Uriah other than that couple chapters. He's concerned about this. I'm telling you, this is not a suggestion God still honors good men and women, but we've got to guard our heart. When it comes to that industry that I was talking about, it's a fake world. Most people 
Most people have been abused themselves and that's why they get into it. And it's, it's a fake world and it's not real. We've got to guard against this because that's where it starts a lot of times. It's, this, is not a, this is not a sin that just all of a sudden happened. Usually it's over a period of time. And you say, well, it's, it was just a thought. Get it out of your mind. Well, she said this to me, and she, or she brushed my arm, and she said this, just get it out of your mind, Ray. I'm, as, as I look at this, I think, man, we just got to understand, we've got to get it out of our mind. Everybody in here has got to get it out of their mind. And it, and it doesn't just mean that it's the deacons and the trustees and, and the people that are in ministry here, people that sit in the front and people sit in the back. It's for everybody. Get it out of our mind. Watch this, and I'll end with this. When David committed that sin and he broke the seventh commandment, anybody know all the commandments? Let's go through them. The first one is what? No other guys before me. The second one is what? No graven images. Third one is what? Don't take the Lord's name in vain. The fourth one is what? Remember the Sabbath. Keep it holy. The fifth one is what? Honor thy father and mother. The sixth one is what? Thou shalt not kill. The sixth, seventh one is what? Thou shalt not commit adultery. The eighth one is thou shalt not steal. The ninth one is thou shalt not bear false witness. And the tenth one, thou shalt not covet. Watch this. When David did what he did, how many commandments did he break? On this one commandment, how many commandments did he break? He broke the first one. He put something between him and God. He put a woman on, on, the top of a, uh, on top of a building bathing in front of God. So he broke the first one. The second one, not so much. He didn't break that. He didn't make any graven images of Bathsheba. The third one, we don't know what his language was, but I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that his language did not defy God. Now, the fourth one's kind of questionable. Me and my wife were talking about this. The fourth one's kind of questionable because he's got a one in seven chance to being there on a Sunday, right? Where he should have been someplace else. But we're going to throw that one out too. So he's broken one. When it comes to his relationship with God, he's broken the first one. Now watch the next ones. With what he did, Brian, do you think he honored his mother and father? No. He broke that one. And let's look at the next one. Did he kill someone over this? Absolutely, he broke, the third, he broke a third one. Well, we know he broke the, that, the next one, the adultery. What about the next one? Did he steal something? Absolutely, he did. Watch this. Did he bear false witness? Absolutely, he did. And what's the last one? He coveted. Watch what coveting says. Go back to Exodus chapter 20, just so God would, would tell people what, what the coveting was. It says in, in verse number 20, it says, Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou, um, covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's... What's the next word? <laughs> he broke that one just as plain as day. So he broke the first one. He broke the fourth one. He broke the fifth one, sixth one, seventh one, eighth one, ninth one, and tenth one. Which ones did he not break? There's three that he did not break. Seven commandments he broke with just one thing. So when you read this and you see David is asking for forgiveness about what he's done, it's because it broke more than one area. And one thing you never realize about this 
is I wonder, and, and I've talked a little bit about this in another message, but I wonder what Bathsheba thought, truly thought of David when this first started. Do you think Bathsheba loved Uriah? I think she did. I think she loved him. You know one of the things I think, Larry, why she loved him? Because he had character. And when she meets David, a man after God's own heart, her husband that's a military guy, that had, he had more character than David did. I'm telling you, sin will take you further than you want to go. Can you imagine talking to Solomon? You're gonna, they're going to ask this question eventually. Hey, Dad, where'd you meet Mom? That's pretty, pretty to the point, isn't it? I'm just telling you, this is a hard message to speak about because it's rampant. And sometimes it might not be a physical thing. It might be a mental thing. And you've got to guard your heart more than you've ever guarded your heart in all your life. I look at these two men that are police officers, and I'm telling you right now, I pray for them every day. Because I have a son-in-law that's in the police department, and they see a lot of bad things. And they have to deal with people that don't make sense half the time, and then they have to see some bad things. You know what we need to do as a church? We need to pray for each other fervently. Because you know what Satan wants to do? He wants to tell you, oh, just find out what her name is. Isn't that how David started? What's her name? Who is she? And that's how he started. Later on, he would see a death of a child. And one of the things I didn't even mention, I read it. But what was another thing that he had to go through? Another son that would betray him. His name was Absalom. I'm telling you, sin is not just one thing and it doesn't affect anything around it. It affects many different facets of life. We've got to guard against this. We've got to guard our hearts, guard our eyes, and guard our hands. You know, when we read those verses, people don't think, oh, I don't think that's what Jesus meant. I think it truly does mean what Jesus meant. If your eye offendeth you, you better get it settled. It's better for you not to have it than for you to have it and do what's wrong. If your hands affect you, it's better that you don't have them than them affect you the wrong way. The sixth commandment is thou shalt not kill. The seventh commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery. And God means this as much as he does anything else. We've got to watch what we do. And you know, the, the one main way to do this is to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to make the right decisions on what God wants you to do rather than what you want. Because there's always that verse, and it's a sad verse, but it says this, that your heart, and we've looked at this, is desperately wicked. Who can know it? With every head bowed and every eye closed. As the people are making their way up, the invitation is going to be a little bit different. I'm not going to have you stand. I'm going to have you sit at your pew, and I'm going to have you stay, remain seated. That's what I want you to do. There's people in this church, there's people outside this church that we all know that probably battle with things like this. 
It might be even you. It might be a friend. It might be a family member. But I'm not going to ask you to come up and pray where people will say, oh, it's, it's so-and-so. It, that's, that's not what it, it, what it is. But everybody in here has an opportunity to do something wrong. And we have an opportunity, just like in this commandment, to do the wrong thing. If David was a man after God's own heart and he did it, do you not think we're, we could do it too? Absolutely we could. And it doesn't matter your age. We've got to guard our heart. How many of you in here with no one looking around would say, I know of someone that I'm going to pray over that they'll make sure they make the right decision because they need to guard their heart. I've got numerous people. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray, then, then Lee's going to sing one verse. During that one verse, you start praying for that person. If it's you and maybe a thought process or something that you've done wrong, get it right. Because I can tell you he's a man after God's own heart. Why? Because he got up. A just man falleth seven times. He got up and he wasn't flipping about it. He was very detailed about what he thought. Lord, I, I thank you for the ability to speak to people. And as I think of these people, these dear people in this room, we all know someone that's been affected by this. There's people in this room that's been affected by it. There's, there's people that, that, that we know that have, that have done this and, and, and they've went the wrong direction. I think they can overcome it. And in the end result, they're just like David. They try covering and covering and covering. And I know sometimes this, this gets some wounds opened up. But the one thing that David did do is he understood that he was the one that did wrong and he asked God for forgiveness. And Lord, we're so thankful that you give us forgiveness. We are so thankful for that. But Lord, may we get to a point where we guard our heart. Well, it was just on my phone for just a second. It was just on my computer for just a second. It was just in the aisle at the store I was at, or it was just a thought that I had. Or it was just a brush. It was do There's many different things we can do to justify this. But when, the, when push comes to shove, the verse says, thou shalt not commit adultery. And if we don't get it started, it won't take off. Lord, may we truly understand this, this verse and how powerful it is and how much devastation it will do to people's lives. May we keep ourselves pure and may we guard our heart with everything that we have. In Jesus' name, amen.